0: Hey, everybody. The following is a free teaser of a Patreon exclusive episode that I did with Kevin Harris. Kevin Harris is an academic at UCLA. He spent many years in Iran doing field work. He has an intense understanding of the social, political and economic dimensions of Iran, and he studies U.S. foreign policy and imperialism very closely. Uh, He's a man of the left, but he is not dogmatically so. He offers an incredibly heterodox perspective on matters, very much in line with the way that I like to cover foreign policy here on DPS. So enjoy this free teaser, and if you want to hear the rest of it, head over to www.patreon.com slash deadpundits and become a subscriber today. Going forward in 2020, Patreon subscribers will be getting an exclusive episode almost every week. So if you want to get in on that and you want to support the politics of DPS, hit up that Patreon and become a subscriber today. All right. Enjoy this teaser. It's a really valuable intervention from Kevin Harris. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Dead Punnett Society. I'm your host, as always, Adam Proctor, and we are... Continuing on with our series that we took up in earnest earlier last week on war, anti-war, imperialism, and the militarism of the Trump administration and his cronies who seem to be hell-bent on starting World War III with Iran. We were hit with the news last week that there was a targeted airstrike on some Iranian military officials at the Iraqi airports. Uh, it spawned a number of threats and chest-thumping-style actions. On both sides, just a few days ago, the Iranian military um, hit some targeted, sent some targeted airstrikes to uh, some Iraqi bases. The Iraqi officials were notified. There were no casualties. Trump immediately hit the podium and uh, claimed victory. Uh, announced some sanctions. It's my understanding. We'll talk much more about this in the upcoming episode. And. In essence, I think the pundit class are, correct, are interpreting this correctly. Uh, we're seeing this as something of a de-escalation. So the worst of the threats seem to be behind us. It seems to be an opportune moment for us to assess just what the hell happened and what looks likely on the horizon with respect to America's foreign policy in the region. So joining us today, I have a fantastic guest to break all of this down. On the line is Kevin Harris. He's an assistant professor at of sociology at UCLA. Thanks, Kevin, for joining us.
1: Hello, Adam.
0: So, what did you make of those assassinations on uh, just last week? You have uh, you are a guy who's been studying uh, Iranian, you know, the culture, society, politics of Iranian society for quite some time. You you cover American foreign policy. What were your thoughts? Were you shocked? Were you appalled? Uh, and then tell us exactly what went down in that Iraqi airport.
1: First thing I did was head to a bar. Uh, I was going to go home and do some work, but I ended up going to a bar and just kind of ruminating on this huge blunder from U.S., uh, aggressive U.S. foreign policy. And, uh, you know, this it doesn't start a few weeks ago. It didn't start a few months ago. Uh, this back and forth between Iran and the U.S. Uh, is really driven by the rapid shift in uh, U.S. foreign policy towards Iran after the election of Trump. Obviously, under Obama, we still had a rather aggressive economic sanctions policy towards Iran. But as most of your listeners remember, there was two years in which the outlines of a of a deal, at least on nuclear enrichment, was going on between Iran, the five members of the Security Council, and Germany. So when when Trump finally because you know, the trump whispers around him are, are very very uh, hawkish on iran they finally got him to pull out of the deal and reimpose the most stringent sanctions ever put on a country probably in modern history um that was that began the escalatory cycle which um continued and and uh, just uh as you mentioned resulted in uh, the United States, is uh, using drone, using a drone, your listeners should know, um, and intelligence provided from a variety of sources. We don't know exactly whom to assassinate, uh, a general of an army, uh, of a, of a, of a, foreign country. So it's not like an insurgent, uh, in a, in a non-state militia, but a general belonging to another country. It would be the equivalent of the Iranians using missiles or drones to take out a David Petraeus when he was in Iraq. Uh, coordinating his anti-insurgency campaign, basically. Is the, I think is that would be a, be a historical analogy that Americans might understand. Whether or not you liked Petraeus, you know, Petraeus was the kind of celebrity. He often oversold his genius in American uh, culture and among the foreign policy establishment in D.C. They all thought the guy was a guru. Well, uh, Assam Soleimani was kind of like that in Iran. And it was seen by Iranians, even by many people who didn't like them, I like the guy, as an, as essentially a you know, breach of national sovereignty uh, and as a targeted assassination, the likes of which, since it was so direct and obvious, um, people demanded a response. And this response, as you noted, you know, it, it was telegraphed in advance by the Iranians. The Iraqis uh, told the Americans, as far as we can tell, so that everyone could get in their bunkers when these missiles landed. So in that sense, I hope, actually— it actually satisfies the thirst for revenge that's, that seems to be going on in – among some people in Iran. Uh, and I hope that at least privately, Trump will just take this as a win and then hopefully his whispers will not uh, pour something new into his ear to rile them all up. But that's where we're at right now. Just to be clear, that's, that's – you know the sanctions as you mentioned, I think it's
0: really important for us to foreground this, right? The, the, the killing of Soleimani was originally packaged – and these neat kind of PR campaigns that are, you know, that are uh, proxies for war. You know, since we've seen what was it? The first Gulf War didn't happen. Was it uh, Bojard who wrote that or some somebody into that fact? It was it was a media event and, and you know, this one was no different. It was orchestrated as a PR campaign, and what we heard immediately thereafter was that Soleimani had to be had to face justice for the crimes that he had committed against Americans in Iraq and 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 it's absurd, which that, – that narrative erases the violence of the sanctions that were placed in this country. And as you mentioned, those are the most violent sanctions. It's essentially a siege, the most violent peacetime sanctions that have ever been placed on a sovereign country. T- tell us about the those sanctions. What are they? What's the real scale of those things? Because that's something that I, I don't understand myself and uh, what's the effect of that?
1: Well, let me let me first res- actually speak to something more imminent. Uh, this there is something going on in in American media which reminds me of the two thousand three Iraq War, and that is that there is a big lie being uh, repeated over and over and over again by mainstream um, MSNBC type news reporters and and television journalists, and that is that Qasem Soleimani has the death of hundreds and hundreds of Americans on his personal hands. He was running, you know, let me just, let, let me, this accusation, by the way, comes from uh, in the in the wake of the Iraq war, there was a massive uh, insurgency to kick the United States out as an occupying power. That occurred both in areas of the country that largely had populations who were of the Sunni Islamic faith, or Islamic, and then, you know, were kind of in the Sunni sect, and they're also in the south where, the and of course, the majority of the Iraqi population are Shia. And so it happened all over the country, as many of you listeners listening remember, and some of them might have actually been there. And of course, many, many American soldiers died in that. And when American soldiers were either killed or shot, they responded with inordinate amounts of violence uh, on local populations. We also remember that. Most of the Americans who were killed, uh, the American soldiers who were killed in uh uh, in Iraq during the occupation were uh, killed by um, what well, we think are Sunni militias or, or Sunni insurgents, and a minority killed by Shia. So I think what uh, you know what Klaus of Soleimani began to represent around 2000, 2013 2014 was a was a excuse, a guy that you could blame for the fact that the that tactics of the of the insurgency were becoming more and more sophisticated. There more and more Americans were being killed and maimed. Uh, more and more tanks were being blown up. It was, a, it was an increase in, in the insurgency, in, in the um, technical capacity of the insurgency to fight the military. So, and of course, you know, you have, you have, of course, you know, American military had to explain this. And one of the ways explain explained it was, oh, this is the Iranians. The Iranians are sending the explosives to Iraqi insurgents, and they're training them how to do it. And that's why we're losing in a new way, right? So it's an explanation for U.S. failure in, in already deeply uh, failed you know, occupation. So in that sense, while you know, is essentially is just like a guy who coordinates Iranian special forces, and he also began to take part in Iranian foreign policy, for better or for worse. I would prefer the foreign minister to do that, but this Soleimani also did. Um, he did, and then he got heavily involved in coordinating operations in Syria, right? But none of those things are what the journalists in the United States are talking about when they say he has blood on his hands. What they really mean is that Americans are losing the war in Iraq. The insurgency was becoming more and more successful. And instead of saying this is what we're losing because we're occupying a country, they said this, they blamed, uh, Iranian, you know, the masterminds, uh, of Iranian spycraft, uh, and, and, and counterinsurgency. So I just want to make that point. And that to me is a big lie. First of all, because it's never really been established well, um, you know, where all these munitions came from. And second, this context is never given by a journalist. Yeah, this, this happened when we were occupying Iraq. So I think your listeners really need to remember that every time they hear, I just heard get Brian Williams last night. We all know he's a bad guy. We all know he has blood on his hands. They have to say this as a mantra. Yeah. Um, this well, Elizabeth is, Warren said that in her statement, somebody who's
0: otherwise is, kind of held up as a, as a would be kind of
1: progressive beacon. And it's it's amazing how quickly the media did this. So you know, within 48 hours, it just takes the um, statements of the, of the Trump administration, which, you know, last time I checked, the media was very critical of Trump administration. They're constantly accusing him of lying. And all of a sudden, when it comes to foreign policy, you know, American nationalism is a hell of a drug. It is a hell of a drug, <laughs> and it's just it's pretty amazing. I'm not saying I'm not. And, and this does not speak to the character or morality of the individual who was assassinated. It's not. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, um, that this guy—you know—is is just the kind of a—you uh, know—he's a foreign uh, operative of a, of a, of a yeah. military. But what we love but, that, don't we?
0: It's 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 like a, the the cultural counter counter cultural counter American. Uh, icon, right? It comes from this these like Jack Bauer days, the heady days of of the war on terror, where if you can put a face and a name to it and make him this 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 criminal. A terrorist mastermind, somebody you can pen all of your failures and all of the death and destruction that's resulted from your like imperialist misadventures on, then, like, all the better for the kind of uh, sort of channeling the collective rage of American society in the direction of that individual rather than the policymakers who were responsible for the blunders in the first place.
1: Um, I think that, yeah, there's an element of Hollywood. In the, you know, in the way that the U.S. military obviously portrays itself, portrays its losses and portrays its victories and, of course, explains its losses. And, you know, in in this case, the Iranians loved it. I mean, the Iranians love uh, the Iranian government loves it when the U.S. boasts about how clever the Iranians are, how masterful they are, how deeply embedded they are in all of these networks of the Middle East. When in reality, you know, they had they were overreached. They were getting criticized in places like Lebanon and Iraq, and they were on the back foot. And this um, assassination has essentially saved their ass for the time being, um, and it's turned the ire of a lot of people in the Middle East, not just Iranians. A lot of people in the Middle East do not like the U.S. bombing people uh, because they have a, they have a kind of um, they want to have a cathartic release. It was a weird psychological cathartic release, which you know. I mean, as your listeners know, this is ephemeral. This is not going to last that long. So, the and the response uh, by both Iran and, and lots of other uh, actors in the region, uh, you know, what's going to happen when when uh, as when you, these things occur, uh, and the U.S. is not going to be able to explain us other than rely on the same tropes of terrorism. They hate us. You know, they hit our victories and all these things. And it's, I mean, it's it's bad. It's it's bad policy. It, um, it's so reminiscent of the 2003 Iraq war that it's scary how fast the media falls in line. Yeah. Fortunately,
0: I think the American public is far more sophisticated and advanced with respect to its reactions uh, to, to this war. While we haven't seen these mass mobilizations of millions of people on the street right now, uh, we are, nonetheless, I think. I mean, you know, look, this is anecdotal. I don't have access to two hundred plus, three hundred plus million Americans, but anecdotally speaking, I think the general feeling is like, ah, uh, they might, ah, uh, we got that terrorist, right? They might be buying the the narrative hook, line, and sinker, but I don't think that people are ready, willing, and able to send their themselves, their sons and daughters, uh, off to, off to war just yet. I think the hangover from the Iraq and Afghanistan conflicts still sort of looms large and and, and like and, and we're lucky for that because you're right the, the mainstream press um, would have it otherwise this concludes your free teaser of this week's b side head over to patreon.com slash dead pundits and subscribe today to hear the rest of this episode and to double your dps
1: pleasure each week